Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the breakfast show. Me, Ryan Huang, on Mind Your Business today. We are taking a deep dive into the pressing issue of sustainability in the fast fashion industry. And spearheading that movement towards more sustainable fashion practices is one of the oldest brands around. Founded in 1853, that's 170 years ago. Yes, I would say almost everyone owns a pair of Levi's. We are referring to Levi's Strauss and Company and joining us all the way from the USA is Jeff Hogue, the Chief Sustainability Officer at Levi's Strauss and Company. Jeff, welcome to the show. With- good, morning. good morning, Jeff. Let's start that sustainability report. I was just going through it. Very comprehensive, 265 pages in total. We don't have all the, um, the luxury of time to unpack everything. But let's zoom in on some of the main pillars here. So this is around climate and consumption. So before we get into the specifics, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the progress of Levi's sustainability journey so far? 10 being the best, of course. Well, first of all, sorry to put you through a 265-page document. (laughs) I hope that you found it interesting. (laughs) But uh, seriously, you know, I'm not sure that anyone in any industry could really rate themselves higher than five or six. We do feel good about our approach and our disclosures like in the report, but our industry has a long ways to go. And what we're seeing is that Brands that acknowledge where they are and are honest about where they are and are acting on it are the ones with a pretty good chance of delivering the kind of products and programs that consumers and other stakeholders want to see. You know, if I think about your question a little bit further, you know, there are really two different key elements that a solid approach to a sustainability strategy or a performance in an organization would be. And I think, uh, you know, the first one is moving away from intentions and aspirations to delivering real measurable impacts. So impact that you can actually measure and then um, doing it with others. I mean, we can't do this alone. So we, we have to collaborate with the industry to to really drive the impact that we're uh, trying to achieve. And that's exactly where we're focused. We're focused on, you know, our core pillars of climate mm. consumption and community and our goals. And we want those goals to drive impact. Let's zoom in into some of these issues, right? And when it comes to producing genes, actually can cost or use up quite a bit of water. 3,800 litres of water is the number I'm looking at. That is quite staggering. Uh, Give us an idea why that is the case. Yeah, so I think it's important to note that I think that that particular fact includes the farming of cotton, but uh, what it also includes is the processing of the garment itself and the fiber and dyeing and finishing and those types of things. And so basically, you know, in 2011, we really started to focus on this pretty deep And we had a a program that we called Waterless. And essentially, that program was put in place to provide techniques to the facilities that were laundering and finishing the garments to give them stone washing and Mm. different types of fashion feels to change to different practices that would reduce water consumption. And so that's kind of the approach that we've taken on a factory level. I think that what we realized is that, you know, water is really a local issue. I mean, it affects 
communities locally. It's not a, a global issue. And so in order, order to really tackle that problem, we had to, to really focus on the areas with high water scarcity. So a con- contextual approach mm. where we're, we're driving a 50% reduction uh, between now and 2025. And we've done a lot of work there on interventions where uh, I think last year we landed around 25% reduction. So we're on a good path to getting to where we need. Yeah, so another part of the supply chain is uh, when it comes to the manufacturing of our products, and this is seeing also take some measures to help reduce your footprint when it comes to eliminating the permis stone waste. Help us understand that process and what you're doing there. I think first of all, it's important to note that you know pumice has been used traditionally for stone washing. It's a it's a stone. It's natural, and basically what they do is they put it into a machine and it tumbles with the garments and it causes wear. That's you know, the look kind of you like want, right? Here. Yeah, so. You, you can you can see that the garment has been worn, it's mm. softer, that type of thing. I wouldn't say that it's a major impact or a major contributor to our overall impact, but it does create a lot of waste. And really where the waste is created is in, in, a, in a couple of different areas. Number one, in the mining of these stones, which normally come from from Turkey and Indonesia, transporting it. And then they put it into laundry and it probably lasts uh, two or three cycles and it basically turns into sand. And so that sand has to actually be taken out and landfilled. But the other one is that it kind of beats up the machines inside. Mm. And so the machine, the life of the machines actually is decreased as, as a result. If you look at it kind of a vendor level, or our vendors that we work with, they like it because um, they like these alternative uh, ways of stone washing, like using enzymes or laser or synthetic stones or ozone washing because it's cheaper and there's less waste uh, generated as a result. No, so instead of using the pumice stones, you can look to other ways to get the same effect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the hot uh, technologies is lasers. Mm. I think if you go into any any big factory, you're going to see laser finishing where they don't have to actually physically manipulate the garment. They just put it in the laser. They have a pattern and the laser actually stone washes or wears the garment. Where is so Levi's on this journey right now? How much is on these new technologies? Well, we've, um, so we've invested in it. We were kind of one of the earlier investors, but now what you see is that it's pretty prolific. It's pretty mainstream in the industry. Almost ah, okay. every major facility has one of these types of machines. Yeah, talking about waste, so one of the 16 goals cited in the report is that Levi's is looking to strengthen its circular economy where nothing is wasted, thus reducing resource consumption. So give us an idea. We talked about the pumice stones, um, new technologies, of course. What other innovative steps Levi's is taking to foster this idea of a circular economy? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, first of all, we're aligning ourselves with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation vision for circular economy and fashion. And what's called out there very specifically is we need to address three things. The first one is that the garments are used longer. So mm. this means that when you're sort of finished with the garment or it needs repair, that there's the ability to repair. There's It's durable. It doesn't need, it doesn't fall apart. And at the end of the period that you're loving it, it can actually be put into commerce. So you can see Levi's garments are sold on eBay and other platforms at you know pretty good pricing. And in our case, what we're doing is, um, and I think you probably recognize this, is that quality and durability is really associated with our brand. And it's kind of the first step in the whole process. And what we've done is we've actually created within our stores what we call Tailor Shop that allows us to actually repair garments or let people repair garments 
And then we have something called Levi's Secondhand, where you can bring products back, can be resold. So that's one way. The other one is that it can be made to be made again. And what that means is that it's made in a way where it can be deconstructed. It's not containing a lot of different fibers, that type of thing. And the last one is it's made from a safe, recyclable or renewable input. So using things like uh, recycled cotton or recycled polyester to minimize the impact on raw materials and natural resources is something that we do as well. Yeah, so you've got this Buy Better, Wear Longer campaign that's going on. Uh, that's a great yeah. idea. Now, I was just talking to the team and they were saying, hey, maybe you should just wash your stuff less. And when the, with the idea of jeans, how often do you recommend us to wash your jeans? So I had a broad range of answers here. Some said five washes, some said three months. I guess people like that look, you know, what should we be going for here? You know, to be honest, and you know, I, I, I hate to admit this, but <laughs> I probably wash my jeans maybe one time per year. Wow. So if you, if you take care of them and you clean the spots uh, quickly and you care for it in the right way, you don't have to wash it a lot. Once a year. Well, this is in context of where you are right now. You're speaking to us from the U.S. where the weather is pretty different there as well. <laughs> no, I'm just wearing very durable garments. That oh, okay. <laughs> I don't have to, to wash. I can spot clean them right. and they're perfectly fine. I feel a bit better about my um, laundry right now. <laughs> All right. Now moving <laughs> on to the rest of the conversation. Of course, we are chatting with Jeff Hogue. He is the Chief Sustainability Officer at Levi Strauss and & Company. And we want to talk about transparency and ethics and there's all this talk about green washing these days, how true yeah. are some of the claims that companies are putting up? How do you address this and ensure that consumers are getting what they are you know, looking forward to or being promised? Yeah, well, I think I think it's first, I mean, we, we can't speak for the whole industry, but what I would say is the best way to not get caught up in any of these issues is to not do it in the first place. So to have a very robust approach behind the claims that you make. And I think for starters, you know, we're, we have the regulatory basis that we have to follow. So there are kind of labeling guidelines and, and regulations. There's also claims regulations. So those are things that we have to follow in the jurisdictions that we operate in. The other thing that's really interesting to mention is that we've established a, a substantiation process that we use internally. And it's basically a partnership between our marketing teams, our legal teams, and sustainability teams to look at every claim and to mm. substantiate to ensure that they're they're correct. And we do that same thing for our report. So that that 265-page report that you read, it has quite a few claims in it. All of those claims have been reviewed by our legal uh, controller uh, controller group and and our sustainability team. So that's how we're trying to uh, trying to avoid it. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, there there are a lot of developments happening in this area globally. There's regulatory reform in in Europe. There's things happening in the U.S. There's things happening in Australia. There's things happening in the U.K. And we have to stay on top of all of those things to ensure that um, whatever we say has high credibility. Yeah. So you have to kind of put your money where your mouth is sometimes. And then there's this idea as well that KPIs should be aligned with these goals as well. So if you look at a recent report by Schneider Electric, uh, which surveyed over 200 senior business leaders, 99% agreed that remuneration should be linked to meeting decarbonization goals and targets. What do you make of the idea here that we should be linking CEO pay or C-suite pays to reaching these goals? Well, I think, I mean, fundamentally, I mean, if you're working in the right company with the right values, you don't have to do any of that. I think in, in our case, 
There are several of our executives that are compensated based on sustainability goals, but it's not the driving force for why we do it internally. It's actually not surprising to me that those statistics, because a lot of this stuff is quite new within companies, so it's not it's not surprising to me. But it also, you know, it's also important that all levels of the company understands that we need to have robust climate plans. And if they want to, if we want to be viable over the long time, it's it's kind of table stakes. Investors are asking, consumers are asking, employees are asking, and it, you know, it's really on us to to demonstrate that we're making progress. Mm. There. So it, it is a non-negotiable imperative for all. All of us. All right, that's a great overview of um, what Levi's is up to. So let's look forward to what we can expect from Levi's. What sticks for you, Jeff, as you go on this journey towards zero waste? Well, I think on zero waste, you know, and I talked a little bit about this earlier. I mean, if you talk about product, it's making the most durable product that we possibly can so that it doesn't get thrown away. So I think that's one particular thing that we're, uh, we're focused on. I think you probably have read that, um, you know, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation estimates that a garbage truck of textiles is landfilled or incinerated every second someplace in the world. Mm. So creating garments that don't see that fate or is really the main approach. But if you look at our, our own facilities and our supplier facilities, we're really working on reducing waste, packaging and plastics. And uh, we, we've set out some goals that we're working on now to divert 100% of waste from landfills and 50% of our waste diversion focused on our strategic suppliers, and then eliminating the, the use of single-use plastics and consumer-facing packaging. So those are the kind of public goals that we've set um, externally. Yeah, so that's a lot to look forward to on your journey towards becoming more sustainable. We've been chairman Jeff Hawke. He's the Chief Sustainability Officer at Levi Strauss & Company. And you heard from him, you only have to wash your jeans once a year. Jeff, thanks so much for your time today. All right. Thank you so much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.